This is the Kineo Equipping Podcast. All right, we'll go ahead and get started. I'm not teaching this morning by myself. Um, Jake is coming. He's doing the welcome time, so he asked me to just get it started, and he'll be up as soon as he's done. So I'm Sarah, if I haven't met you yet. Um, I'm really enjoying this class. It's been really beneficial for me and hopefully for you as well. Um, But we're just going to start off by just doing a quick recap of the last two weeks, and then we'll send you to the table for the discussion about the questions. Um, So the first week... Uh, We talked about feeding yourself. Mark and Amanda talked about the importance of reading the Bible, why it's important, and also different approaches that people take that aren't helpful. So like the Xanax approach. I talked with my table how it's like, oh man, sometimes I'm just like, I just need to pick me up. Where can I go? Um, It is good to go to the Bible in times of need, but if that's all you're doing, Um, that's not the correct way and the most helpful way to study your Bible. So we talked about different approaches. We also talked about roadblocks. Um, And we talked last week about one of the roadblocks is comprehension. I don't know what it says after I'm done reading it. Um, So this week we're going to talk more about comprehension, getting more in depth. Um, What does it look like to really get into it and study what it says? And then the next week, we'll move on to interpretation. What does it mean? So um, last week, we also talked about genres. And I don't know, just by raise of hands, did anyone go back this last week when you were reading your Bible and ask yourself, what was the genre of the book you're reading? Is that a question that you started asking? And who, like, in this room, who read an epistle this week? Just raise your hand. Okay. How about... uh, Narrative. I read a narrative. Prophecy. Anybody tackle prophecy? Oh, there we go. Okay. So it's just good to remember what you're reading, the type of genre, uh, to help you study and understand what is it saying. We also talked about the meta narrative. Uh, that's the full picture of the full Bible and where does the passage that you're that you're studying where does that fit into the big picture of the Bible. So this week, uh, we're going to start off by talking about the archaeological questions. And if you did your reading, you knew what those questions were. And the homework was to answer those questions for James. So we're going to take the next five, ten minutes at your tables answering those questions about the book of James. And then we'll come back and we'll discuss them um, together as a large group. All right, we're going to get back together and talk about these questions. This is my husband, Jake, everybody. Hello. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he gets to teach with me today, which is fun. Normally you're down in Normally, yeah. yeah. This is great. All right, so um, first off, I heard this from a lot of just tables. Where did you find the answers? Wikipedia? Is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, that's there's one prob- way. Yeah, there's probably something on there. <laughs> that was yeah. good. That was good. <laughs> what did you say? Study Bible. Yes. Study Bible, yeah. Yep. Commentary. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk more about tools. Yeah, did you have one? Is that an app? Or? Uh, it's an app and it's like an online store okay. kind of thing too. Nice. So we'll talk more about different <coughs> tools, but I thought that was just helpful. If it, this is just brand new to you, those are a few tools that you can go to to look for answers. But who wrote the book of James? Just yell it out. James. <laughs> Probably. And what was important about this James? Which is interesting because you see the belief change of James, you know, where you see in the Gospels he's not 
a believer, and now he's obviously a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God's changed his heart. Uh, when was it written? <laughs> well, sometime after the the believers in Jerusalem, the tribes were scattered sometime after that. And before Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good window. It's, a, <laughs> it's funny how author and date tend to coincide. Right. Yeah. 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 So did you have a window, like 40 to 60 maybe, A.D.? Or, yeah, very specific. (laughs) From Wikipedia, right? (laughs) Um, All right, who was it written to? Did any of you run it? Because this one of these, uh, who was it written to? Like, there is some kind of debate. Like, oh, is this like national, like Jews, or are these now spiritual Jewish people? Like, did any of you run into that kind of debate as you studied? Probably not. No. Never mind. <laughs> we Proceed. don't have we don't have that question. Sorry. <laughs> Um, <laughs> all right, what style was it written or genre? You can... Sorry, I didn't hear you. Wisdom and faith. Wisdom and faith. It's also a letter, an epistle. Yep. Yeah. It's a good example of how it kind of, they're put together. And why was it written? What was the purpose of the book? To encourage that um, right doctrine alone isn't enough, but um, must be accompanied by godly character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. This is a an easy way to remember to do this is just kind of like when you're reading a book. I think Jen Wilkin might say this, or someone else. Um, think about what does it say on the front of the letter. So before you open a letter. You always read, who's it to, who's it from? So just to, before you open the letter, know who's it to, who's it from. You read the, the front of the envelope, and then you open your letter. So it's helpful to know where it's coming from. Yeah. So we're going to get into um, some of your blanks there. Uh, when studying the Bible, context is king. I think we've probably encountered a lot of instances where someone just rips a verse out of context and uses it in whatever way kind of makes sense for the situation. But when you actually read it within the context of the book, it's like, that's not actually what that meant. Like, you can't dunk a basketball because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Like, you're five feet tall, you know? Like, that's not Jesus' fault that you can't do that, you know? So, and you don't need, you don't need more faith for that either. Like, that's not particularly what that's talking about. But... Um, Two things to kind of note here. Context is king. Literary context, so where does, where does your passage fit within the book? Where does your verse fit within the paragraph? That context, uh, but also historical context. And that's kind of what these archaeological questions are, are helping you kind of mine out to a degree to know, like, um, the context of, of who this was written to makes a big difference on what it, on what it actually means. And so uh, to remember that context is king. Um, And that goes along with, since God spoke into specific historical situations, we should take the historical cultural situation seriously. Specific historical situations. Uh, The Bible wasn't written in a vacuum. Uh, It was written um, by God, through people, to people, uh, to be read. And and it was written within a particular uh, context and situation. So that, that matters. We bring a lot to the text that we're not even aware of as it relates to our understanding um, of culture, of history, stuff like that. Uh, one, of the, one of probably the, the best examples of this was uh, when, if you remember, if you were around when we were in Exodus, 
uh, as we talk about slavery, uh, there's a big difference between the way that we understand slavery in terms of like North, South, like, uh, like the slavery that, that America had uh, compared to the, the kind of slavery that was existent in, in biblical times. Vastly different, but if we just come to the text applying our own historical, cultural understanding without taking into consideration theirs, we're gonna, we're gonna read that in a dramatically different way. Um, so taking, taking that into account, um, just hitting this, this nail just over and over, knowing, knowing the background of a text clarifies its meaning and reveals its relevance to your life. Um, something, so this week we're still in, uh, in comprehension or you could say observation. Uh, next week it's gonna start moving into interpretation. Um, but basically what this is saying is that, uh, uh, I'm trying to read my own writing here, um, is that a text can't mean to us what it never meant to the original audience. I'm talking about meaning, all right? Application will be very, like the, like the text will apply differently to us, but it won't mean something different to us. And so we don't create meaning, we find meaning, and we're using these tools of, of comprehension or observation to help us discover meaning as we look at the, at the historical, cultural, and literary context of what we're writing to, or of what we're reading. So uh, you already did this for James. The historical context includes the biblical writer, the audience, um, and other historical, cultural elements uh, relevant to the context of the writer and the original audience. I'd add in there as well, um, uh, geographical, like the geography of, uh, of who this is being written to or where this is being written. For example, um, you get uh, you get the letter to the church of, uh, of Laodicea in Revelation. And understand the geography of Laodicea is really helpful, knowing that, that it's kind of this triad of cities between Colossae and Hierapolis. And there were two streams, a hot water spring and a cold water stream that would come together. And then that lukewarm stream would run through the city of Laodicea. And so as you're reading the letter to the church of Laodicea, where it's specifically talking about, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but you're lukewarm, there is an actual geographical reference there that's important in understanding um, in, in order to hear what they would have heard. You know, So for us, it's like, oh, this is all metaphorical. For them, it's like, no, our water kind of sucks because this is like actually what's happening. You know? And so spitting, like, spitting us out of your mouth, like, yeah, we understand that because this is just kind of rank. You know? And so understanding even the geographical um, aspects of, of where, of, of the writing is really helpful in that. And so um, two things, and then we're gonna get into some tools that are hopefully helpful, because you're probably going like, do I just have to make all this up? Like, how do I, do I get my magic eight ball out? And it's like, what's the historical context? Like, it's like, no, there's actually tools. We'll get into that. Um, some dangers, watch out for inaccurate background information. Uh, your information is only as good as your resources. And this is where having a multiplicity of resources will be helpful, uh, and not just depending solely on one uh, resource or just on one commentary or or it's you know Wikipedia. <laughs> you didn't do that, but like that was good. But like get get multiple resources and and kind of test them against each other as well uh, as you've got the text in front of you. Um, Oops. Think, okay, this is not a good resource. Uh, it, one would be if it's an outlier. Like, and that's where, if it's an outlier, like if you've got multiple resources and there's one that's just like way kind of out here, um, that to me would be a bit of a red flag to go, okay, why, why does this seem to have such a uniquely different perspective um, than the others? A lot of, a lot of uh, helpful commentaries will actually give you a, um, multiple maybe uh, perspectives like it'll be aware of the different perspectives that like other people might have and it may address those as well to me that that gains confidence because then it's like okay you're not you're not just so narrowly focused on like trying to particularly convince me of one thing but you want me to be aware of a breadth of, uh, of understanding those would be a couple Mark do you have any others that as you're looking at your resources I often look at I'll look up who the author is and like other things that they've written because yeah. that kind of gives you an understanding of do they know the topic that well or like do they disagree with everything else I believe in because mm -hmm. 
a lot of times they may write something that sounds good, but you don't realize what they're actually saying until you realize what they believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't elevate the background above the meaning of the text either. Um, real simply, this is like, it's good to be aware. It's good to, um, it's good to study these things. Some people, I don't know that most fall into this category, but it is possible for some to so nerd out on the background <laughs> that you just, you almost stop reading your Bible at that point, and you just get so focused in on like, and maybe that's for like the more historically inclined people, where it's like, I just want to find out everything about it. It's like, that's great and will be helpful, but, um, but when, you've, when you've closed your Bible in order to just stay in all these other things, uh, that's not going to be a helpful practice for you, so... There are some studies, too, that I've found that elevate those, the background information so much and symbolize everything that that's not the meaning of the text. Like we talked about last week, narrative, you're going to read larger sections to get a main purpose. So if you're finding yourself looking to historical uh, books and reading that more than the Bible, and then you're, oh, this symbolizes this, and this symbolizes this, and you know, it's like you're probably missing the main point of the text. <coughs> so a few tools, and this is, this is in your notes already. There's nothing really to fill in, um, but the New American Commentary series is helpful. The Pillar New Testament Commentary series, Bible Knowledge Commentary. For me, like I have all of these when I'm studying a text, I'll have all of these open side by side uh, and reading through all of them and kind of comparing and contrasting. Uh, one of the things that I, that I just recently found was this, was this Ligonier.org. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a big, I'm a big R.C. Sproul fan, a big Ligonier Ministries fan. And so, uh, now again, use discernment, but this is, again, listening, like listening to trusted voices. Uh, they've, they've kind of curated a list of of what they would say would be their top go-to commentaries on each book of the Bible. So if you go to this link, you'll just click on your book of the Bible, and it'll give you a handful of commentaries. This is what we did for uh, for the Hebrews series that we went through. I, I went to this and ordered three or four that were off of this list in addition to some of these other ones that were on top. Um, so the, that's really helpful. And some people, like, I used to get uh, kind of nervous about encouraging people to spend money on these things because it's like... I, I don't want people to feel like they have to spend money in order to understand their Bible. And it's like, no, I've, I've like changed my mind on that because we spend money on a bunch of other things that don't matter. And so I don't feel bad about asking someone to spend 30 bucks <laughs> investing in being able to understand the word of God. And it's like, that's like five tricks, trips to sidecar. Okay, like, which one's more valuable here? Uh, and let's... <laughs> That's Let's how we use weigh our everything, how many trips to sidecar yeah, that's, in our household. That's the baseline, yeah. <laughs> how many coffees does this equal? Yeah, exactly. This is kind of, I'm just going to ask this question, and maybe I don't know if this is answered yet or not, but will we have commentaries available coming up soon, or is that not? Um, some, we're going to try to get uh, the series that's edited by David Flatt and Danny Aiken. It's, okay. Uh, uh, Exalting Jesus commentary series. Okay. Uh, I can't remember what the first bullet item. Okay. Cool. What's Sarah's, have you already this talked about that? No, I haven't. I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. This is like just off topic. Yeah, but. what Sarah's referring to is we're going to have a resource library down in the commons area. Uh, that'll be available pretty soon for you to just be able to go and check out the books that at least we have currently, and that'll continue to grow as well. Yeah. So, so there that'll you go. be a great thing. Uh, a few more Bible dictionaries. Bible atlases, talking about that geography thing. Um, the Bible Project is helpful in, uh, in keeping your attention, and they do a good job with the content, too. Uh, they've got little videos on each book and address some different topics. Uh, yeah, it's, that's the low-hanging fruit. Blue Letter Bible is a good online resource as it relates to... Um, it has some different lexicons, and you can get into, like, word study stuff or stuff like that. It's just got um, some free, accessible relatively easy to navigate. I wish they would update their their UI on their website, but whatever. That's not my job. What so, is UI? User interface. Okay, yeah, thank sorry. you. So for, I, this, is, this is what I appreciate about, I, I don't have all the commentaries at my disposal 
I could ask him to bring them home to me. But just as someone who's just like a regular studier, I use the Blue Letter Bible a lot. It's like one of my I think there's an app too, isn't there? There's an app. It looks terrible, so just get past that. <laughs> um, they need a new graphic artist, but that's okay. <laughs> but it's so helpful because you can be studying, and it's just a quick, okay, go to the app, look up this word, or... You know, you can compare different things. They've got some just different commentaries. It's really helpful, and it's accessible. It's free. So spend the money on the commentaries, but if you just have a quick question, that's one that I use a lot, and it's mm -hmm. really helpful. Yeah. Which is your favorite comment? Like, if you were going to buy one of the commentaries, you mentioned mm -hmm. that. It's a hard question for Jake. No, probably <laughs> what I found to be... Uh, on the borderline academic but still accessible spectrum would be that pillar series. Uh, that probably says it in the plainest English. Um, if you want to go one, like if you want more accessible, the Bible knowledge commentary uh, is way on that spectrum as well. So, um, so easier to understand is the Bible, Bible knowledge. knowledge. Pillar, pillar is like in the middle. Yeah, okay. and then you get into New, New American uh, Commentary, the uh, NIGTC, New International Greek something commentary. That one is like, like don't, don't get that one. <laughs> it's good. It's just like, uh, it can get mind-numbing at times. So. Bible Gateway has access to a lot of different commentaries yeah. as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That yeah. is a good tool, too. Yeah. Totally. So this next part, so you've got the picture here. Um, do you want to go through this? <laughs> <laughs> we were joking. Sarah doesn't want to go through this because she's like, I don't think I quite understand this I, yet. I'm still learning it, so to be able to explain it. <laughs> all right, so, so this is the picture you have in your notes. All right. One of, the, one of the hard parts about putting these notes together was figuring out where to put this. Um, this is really an overview of of everything we're trying to do in this class, all right? Um, so don't think that all of that you're doing all of this this week. That, that, that's what made it hard, because it's like there's an, there's an element of each week of this class that fits into this picture. And so that's where it was hard to know, like, what week do we put this in? Because it kind of addresses every week. We threw it in here. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But I think it's helpful for you to understand kind of uh, the, we call this the interpretive journey. As we, uh, as we approach a text, what's the way in which we should approach a text? Um, this picture is helpful. So keep this picture in your mind. It's in your notes. Uh, we are currently in step one and step two. So step one is grasp the text. Here we go. Grasp the text in their town. Grasp it in their town first. What did, what did this text mean to the people that it was originally written to? How, how would they have heard it? Like, listen to it through their ears. And that's where understanding a lot of these cultural and historical elements will come from. It'll help us to better listen to it with their ears and not just with our ears. All right? Wouldn't it also be their time? Yeah, their town, their time, their, their situation, their geography, um, All those their archaeological culture. questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the second one, and th this goes really closely with number two, Measure the width of the river to cross. What are the differences between the biblical audience and us? And so what you see here in that picture is like there is something separating us with them. Because they've got, they've got their own town. They've got their own time. They've got their own culture. They've got their own language. They've got their own situation. Picture again. Yeah. Like there, there's a barrier here, right? And, and if we just try to like read a text and automatically like, apply it to our situation. That, that's what a lot of times we do. And I think uh, that might have been the Xanax approach from the first week, where it's like, I just, it's 6 a.m., I have my coffee, I just need something for the day. Like, and you just open it, okay, what can I take from this? And we, we try to like, most easily find what we can take from it. And that's not necessarily bad, it's just not, uh, it's not the most responsible way to approach the Bible over the long haul here. So we want to measure the width of, uh, of the river to cross. What are the differences between the biblical audience 
and us. And like I said, that's culture, language, time uh, goes into that uh, situation, stuff like that. So, so are there some books that are going to have a larger width and some books that will be smaller? Oh, totally. So what's yeah. an example of something that's like there's a lot to jump over and then mm -hmm. maybe an example of something that's a little bit closer? I think so. So this is part of what made Hebrews particularly difficult was because you have uh, a, a high understanding from the original audience of Jewish culture. Like they were just so steeped in it. And so much of the book of Hebrews is based around references to the Old Testament that assumes that the, that the audience already knew so many of the implications, so much of the culture, so, much, so many of the rituals, like so much of the history of Judaism. Uh, that for that for the book of Hebrews, that that river to cross was particularly wide because because we are so different than first century Jews, right? And we don't have that that background of Old Testament knowledge of the Torah and all that stuff. And so that was like making sure that we at least understood the width of that river uh, was incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Now you move forward, I'd say to to the book of James. Um, where there, there still is a river, but it seems like it's a bit, uh, it's a bit narrower, right? It, it's a little bit easier to, to be able to, I won't say make that jump, but to cross the bridge into, into the real practicalities of, okay, how does this principle then apply into our time? Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think Hebrews and James probably could be an example of that. There's probably a bunch of others as well. So, um, and that's what we want to do. That's what we're... That's what we're working towards here. So crossing the principalizing bridge, what is the principle in this text? Try to find like like what's the overarching principle here that like begins to like transcend time and culture? Like what is the principle here? And that's that's gonna be the bridge that uh, that allows us to cross that river, right? That allows us to get outside of the particular time, the particular audience, the particular things. We need to take all that into account, but there's a principle here to what they're to what they're saying. Could you say also like main point? Is main that... point. What's the main point that is informed by their town, by this river, but isn't isn't so tied to it that it can't be brought over to our town? Now this fourth one, um, and like I said, this is this is the scope of this class. All right, so now we're getting to the point where you're like you haven't you haven't done the reading and you haven't done the work at least in this particular content. Uh, so if you're starting to feel a little bit like I don't know exactly what that looks like, that's okay because mm -hmm. we're going to be getting to that. So number four is consult the biblical map. Now what does that mean? It means how does, how does our theological principle, how, do, how does our main point fit within the rest of the Bible? And what you might be thinking is, I don't really know my Bible. Like, how in the world am I supposed to know how, how this principle fits within the rest of the Bible? Like, what does the rest of the Bible have to say about this? Um, that's a natural question. That's an appropriate question. Uh, I'd, I'd say two things to that. One, uh, don't let the intimidation of not knowing every little nuance of your Bible keep you from, do, from struggling to understand what you're reading. Like, don't let that keep you from, like, don't just throw in the towel there. Like, that will come with time. It'll come with repetition. It'll come with practice. Like, as you continue to, to read your Bible, to force yourself to read the difficult parts of your Bible, and as you, as you begin to get your bearings on this biblical landscape, right, like, as you just read your Bible faithfully, you get acquainted with it, things will start to become a little bit easier for you to read something in one part of the Bible and go, oh, I think this is kind of also talked about over here. I think Paul might address something about this in Romans. Or you, you kind of get this general sense of, of where does this theme kind of show up in other parts? So I'd say that's one. Take a breath. Be faithful in reading your Bible. Like, don't forget. You got your whole life. The point, of, the point of Bible reading isn't to finish it, right? Like, like, every other book we read, finish it, put it back on the shelf. It's like, no. The point, by the time you finish your Bible... 
you'll start back over again. Like we've got our whole lives to to begin to continue to get acquainted with this with this gift that we've been given in the Word of God. Yeah, Jim. I just mentioned a tool that's been really helpful for me. The best commentary on the scripture is the scripture itself. And that's kind of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And treasury of scripture knowledge is something mm. that you can use online. I, I use e-org, which you can download a bunch of commentaries. It's a, a Bible you can download on your phone or whatever. And you can download commentaries. You can, but this treasury of scripture knowledge, if you click on that, when you're on any passage, like right now I'm at John 3.19, I don't know why I came up with that one, but it's got a dozen verses just on the word this, mm. and because. <laughs> and what you do is you click on it, and it kind of gives you other places in the scripture where it talks about the same kind of concept. Yeah. Maybe you can start, like with this mentioning, as you go through it, you're going to learn this, but this is a huge tool in helping you mm-hmm. find out what the rest of the mm-hmm. scripture is talking about. Uh, and somebody's done all this work, and all you do is got to click on it, and you can go right back to the verse you were looking at. Yeah. And it's really a powerful tool in uh, tying this whole biblical map, like you're talking about yeah. together. That was treasury of treasury of scripture knowledge. Treasury of scripture I'm knowledge. Sure other websites have it, but I downloaded e-sword on my uh, right here, and I can just I got the Bible here, and I just click on commentary, and all the commentaries that I've downloaded come up and start. But I always go to Treasure of Scripture Knowledge first. Mm-hmm. I want to see what the rest of Scripture says about this. Yeah. And somebody's done all the work to tie all these verses together. It's just a huge uh, help to me in understanding yeah. Scripture. That's, and that was going to be the second thing, was, was find resources like that. That's a great one. And even the cross-references, mm-hmm. like those, just those little letters and numbers that you'll see in your Bible. And you'll look, and it's like, oh, there's, a, there's another you know, Scripture reference there. Like, Go to those cross-references and cross-reference the different things and use the tools like uh, what Jim's talking about to, to be able to let the Bible interpret itself um, and be a commentary on itself and then also use other commentaries as well. So yeah, uh, read that's Read the Bible great. with the Bible. That's a yep. read the Bible with the Bible. Another like an analogy that we've been sticking with is when you go to visit a town or when you move to a new town, we talked about last week, you know, driving through it and seeing the whole layout of the town first. Just like that, when you move to a new town, it takes time to just get acquainted with it. And all you, ha- you just have to be in the town to get to know the town so that you don't have to keep using Google Maps to get around. And it's the same thing with reading your Bible. You just have to be in the Bible to get acquainted with it so that you can read something and go, oh, that reminds me of this passage. But until then, you use Google Maps. You use different commentaries, different cross-references, use your tools that you need to get acquainted with it. Um, can I just give a quick example? Because I need, I need help using that. So um, we're in the book of James. So James 1, um, or James 2, sorry, verse, let's say, 14 through 25. It's talking about faith without works is dead. So if you're a new believer and you start reading that and you go through this whole process of what it is saying to them, um, looking at all the archaeological questions, what's the principalizing bridge? Let's say you take that like principle and you say, uh, work saves us. That's your principle. Then in this point, you would go to the whole Bible and say, hmm, does the whole Bible say that? Or am I just reading that in this passage? And that's where it'll stop you. It's a good like stopping point and go, oh, actually, no, that's not the right principle because the Bible says otherwise. And I can see in Ephesians 2 that that's not correct. And then you start your process over again. So it's just a good stopping point to just check yourselves before you go on mm-hmm. um, to study the Bible. Yeah, because a lot of people will stop and go, oh, the Bible's just contradicting itself. It's right. like, no, what that's meant to do is it like... <coughs> Be okay living in the tension. Like I think that's one of the one of the great uh, I don't know tragedies of of Bible reading is that we're so quick to want to get out of the tension. Like I don't understand that. That feels weird. I, I just ah I it can't it can't say that. It can't mean that. It can't what? I, and it's like live in the tension and see like when it seems as though the Bible is contradicting itself. Like dive into that. And find out, like, like, why does James say it this way? But it seems like Paul says it in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. 
And what does that have to do? Like, are they opposed to each other? Are they saying something similar from different perspectives here? Like, and so, yeah, live within that yeah. tension and allow yourself to, like, allow, allow the Bible to keep you from going down a totally different road than the whole of Scripture would actually teach. Mm. Um, I think that's really helpful. So then we get to number five, and this is this is what we would call application, right? So grasp the text and uh, grasp the text in our own town. How should Christians today live out the theological principles? <clears throat> so now, once we've done all this work, bring it into our time. Like, how does this principle practically look? And th- this is the difference between. Um, like the text has a meaning, has one meaning, a variety of applications. And th- this can be the problem with uh, different like Bible study environments where it's like, well, what does the text mean to you? I think at best what that question is meant to be is how does this text uniquely apply to you? But when we use the word mean, what we're talking about is the meaning of the text. And what can happen in those environments is like, well, this is what the text means to me. This is what the text means to me. This is what what the text means to me. And all of a sudden, the text all of a sudden starts taking on such a variety of meanings. It's like uh, we've got to be careful with our language and understand, like, the text has one meaning, different applications, okay? And so this is where we bring that meaning that we found using their town crossing the principalizing bridge, and now how does this apply to our different situations? Okay, so here's that picture again. Their town, uh, look at the river to cross, find the principle, consult the biblical map, and then bring it into our town. How, sh- how should I now live in light of this, this principle that I found in this text? Any questions? This is like the fifth time I've heard it. I'm like, okay, I think I'm getting it. What's the principal bridge from James to the falls of Waterloo? That's up to you to find out. (laughs) 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 I'll let you live in that tension for a while. Okay. Yeah, maybe. That's a great we question. Yeah, that I I love that question because mm-hmm. so so here here's how I think about that. Um, Can you I, repeat the question. Yeah, so the question is what what if it seems like the text doesn't have a direct application, like the Old Testament? You read like an Old Testament narrative, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, so. Don't kill fat guys with swords and then escape through their toilets. Like, is that really what like the story of Ehud's telling me not to do? You know, like I don't quite have a direct correlation here. You know? <laughs> so it's like, what do you do in that, right? Like, there seems to be no direct application. Um, I'll say a couple of things. First, uh, the Bible is primarily a book about God, not about us. I think I think you may have covered that in, in previous weeks. And so, as I'm looking through a text, I'm first asking, what does this tell me about God? About who God is, his character, what he desires for his people. Uh, and then I'm asking, what does it say about people? Like, how are the people in this acting, as, acting either according to this or not according to this? Like, what does it say about people? Like, the nature of people, our natural wants, desires, and actions. Um, and then as I get to application, I'm trying to assess not just, not just what should I do, like, with my hands. I think that's, that's what, a lot of times what we we want to do in applications, like, okay, now, now what should I do? I try to think through uh, how, how should I think differently, how should I feel differently, and how should I act differently? And sometimes it might address all of those things. Other times it might only address one, where it's like, okay, this doesn't seem to have a direct application to like what I do with my hands, but it sure changes the way that I ought to think about who God is and who people are. It sure changes the way I ought to feel about who God is and what, and what he thinks about people and how, how he feels towards people. Uh, and there'll be times where it's like, it sure ought to change how I ought to act. You know? And so often what we think, how we feel, will, and how we feel will naturally uh, 
manifest itself in how we act. I don't, I don't want to so make those distinct that all of a sudden we become fragmented people, right? Like, like our, our minds and our hearts aren't totally disconnected. Like they're, they're, uh, they're intertwined, okay? But that's, what I, that's, that's the way that I answer that. How should I think? How should I feel? How should I act? Because there's probably at least one of those that I can walk away from this text, like knowing how to apply uh, to one of those things. Would you say anything different? No, I don't think we need to do the application week because you just taught it. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Sorry. We'll need it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to you do the paragraphs? Yeah, so uh, this next portion um, is just some more tools as you're reading through scripture. When you, oh boy. Oh no. Some that a couple times. Um, I'll just keep going while you figure this out. Um, while you're reading a passage, um, how do you read? Last week we talked about different sentences, what to look like, repeated words, that kind of stuff. This week we're going to talk about paragraphs. How do we read those paragraphs? So um, the first one is general and specific. We've just got some texts some passages to look for or look at. There we go. Oh. Do you want to go to the next page? There go. Okay, so general and specific. So Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires, the desire of the flesh. So that's a, a general. But it also, if you keep reading in Galatians 5, it's going to give you the specific, what does that actually look like? So if you keep reading... A, not carrying out the desires of the flesh will look like sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery. So it's going to give you a list. So last week we talked about um, lists, marking those lists, numbering those lists. Um, this is also just a way to look for things when it talks. A lot of times a general will be at the beginning of the paragraph. It's like an introduction statement. And then if you just keep reading, it'll give you more specifics. So sometimes we can get lost and just stop there. And, well, I don't know what it looks like to walk in the spirit. Just keep reading, and a lot of times it'll get more specific. Pretty self-explanatory. The next one, question and answer. So look for a question in the passage, and then sometimes it'll answer it right there for you. An example is Romans 6.1. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Um, so sometimes it'll answer it for you. Sometimes it won't. It's an implied question and answer. Rhetorical. Rhetorical, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know how, how quickly you want me to go through this. You're great. All right, dialogue. <laughs> Do you want to cover dialogue? Yeah, so dialogue. We don't have a we don't have a particular uh, passage to throw up on the screen here, but um, basically we're just asking like, who are the participants? Uh, some, sometimes you can ask the question, uh, who is speaking to whom? So is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees? Is he speaking to the people that are around the Pharisees? Uh, who is present? Are there other people, in, like, in or around this argument? Okay. Um, is this an argument, a discussion, a lecture? Uh, one of the, so you, you even look at like um, the book of Job. So as you read through the book of Job, it's helpful to know who's talking in that. Mm -hmm. Is this Job? Is this one of his friends? Is this God? Same thing with, with the book of Habakkuk. Like it goes back and forth. Uh, you got Habakkuk talking, and then God responds, and Habakkuk again, God responds. If you don't, and this, this seems super simple and, ele and elementary, and, and we kind of naturally do this to a degree, but uh, to at least be aware of, like, I, I need to know who's talking in order to understand what in the world is going on. Because if you don't know if it's Habakkuk or God talking, that'll really change the way you understand <laughs> that book. Same thing with Job um, and with, with other dialogues that we see in Scripture. It's really helpful, especially in the Gospels, too, like you said, Look at who maybe Jesus is talking to. Uh, that's something I just finished Luke not too long ago. And when Jesus is specifically talking to the Pharisees, what he says is very different than maybe the crowds, just like general crowds. Or it also is different when he's just talking to his disciples. 
So who he's talking to changes what he's saying and the like the how he's saying it. When he's talking to the Pharisees, it's almost just like very bold and you whitewash tombs. Um, but when he's talking to um, someone else, it might be more grace-filled. And so just remembering who it's talking to, and like you said, it's these are simple things, but just to remember as you're reading, mm-hmm. um, who is he talking to? The pronouns, like so, so often, especially when you start getting into value, it's like, uh, like he and they, and I'll, like I'll just stop and go, okay, who's he again? Like who's he? And he said to them, okay, who's them? Does it tell me earlier? Like I'll just have to force myself to stop because if I'm not careful, I'll just keep reading and not actually know who's saying what to whom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so going on, another thing to look for is a purpose or result statements. That's when you see the that, so that, in order to. Um, an example would be John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is an example of just Sometimes I'll just take a pen and just mark those so that and draw an arrow to whatever the result is. So mm-hmm. I'm a very visual learner, so this is like my arrow statements. <laughs> uh, so that. Another one is Psalm 119.11. I have tre- treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. So there's another result. What's the action? What's the result? What's a great thing about that is like, it doesn't say, I've treasured your word in my heart so that I have something to say when someone asks me what verse I've been memorizing. <laughs> right. The so that's matter. Like, I, I do that a lot, where it's like, oh, I'm actually, like, memorizing scripture so that I have an answer when somebody asks me what I'm memorizing, not so that I may not sin against you. Like, there's a total difference in motive there, you know? And so this, all I just say, the so that's matter, right? Yeah. So... Uh, another one, we're just kind of flying through these. Means by which something is accomplished. Let me go back to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, you're just kind of in my way. Sorry. Right <laughs> How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. So it, it's, it's kind of connected to the so that. Um, Romans 8, 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. How is something accomplished? It's just giving you the two things that go together. How can he keep his way pure? Keeping your word. Another one that is everywhere. We could have a bunch of different examples. Conditional clauses. This is the if, if then. First uh, John 1, 6, if we say we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. So if then, there's so many more. But just as you're reading, these are just examples, just like we talked about last week, uh, looking at lists, repetitive words, compare and contrast. This is just another thing to be looking for as you're reading through passages, full paragraphs of scripture. Look for conditional clauses, if then. Um, The last one is actions or role of people and the actions and roles of God. So Jake kind of already hit this, but it's helpful to just ask, um, what does God do in this passage or what is a characteristic of God in this passage? And then also, what do people do in this passage? So what are the different connections here between God and his people? And then that's going to help you later on in applying. What does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about people or myself? And an example of that is uh, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. So be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. And how, to, and how are we to walk in love? How are we to imitate God? As Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the, the example of God's self-sacrificial love is the way that we're to imitate him. So what is God doing here? He's 
expressing and displaying self-sacrificial love through Christ. And so we're to be imitators of God in this way, so seeing what God has done. Um, so, one of the, so this week, you're going to see uh, your homework is uh, read chapter 6 and read James 1 and make observations. And so at the front of your, of your binder, you've got uh, James chapter 1 in there. Um, I believe, let's see. So basically what I did was... This is essentially, if, if I'm going to study a passage or if I'm going to study a text, uh, what I do is I copy it, I paste it into a Google Doc, I put it, I put it as, at as small of a, of a font as I can bear, um, which is progressively getting bigger as I get older. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> it's kind of annoying. And, uh, and I at least double space it because um, observation work, which is what we're doing here, uh, takes a lot of practice and a lot of time to get it. I remember uh, my first assignment, one of my first assignments in, in my hermeneutics class, which is how to study your Bible, at Moody was, um, our professor gave us a verse, and he was like, make, it was something like 30 observations about this one verse. I'm like, dude, there aren't even 30 words in that verse. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And I remember sitting in the library, just like agonizing over this verse, like, how do I find 30 things? Because we're so trained to approach a text and immediately try to go to, what do I need to do? Just tell me what I got to do. And it's like, no, no, no. First, you got to see what's there. Like, see what's there and keep going back to it, keep going back to it. Sometimes in my own, uh, in my own reading in the mornings, uh, I'll just pick a chapter of the Bible and I'll read it every day. Like, I won't go, like, chapter one this day, okay, chapter two this day, okay, chapter three. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm going to read chapter one all week. Or sometimes it's like, I'm going to read chapter one all month, and I'm going to also read some of these other things while I'm doing it, but I'm at least going to read this chapter. And you would be amazed what you'll see if you just keep yourself in the text uh, as long as you possibly can, the things that will come out. So what I wanted to do was, because I know the feeling, like, when you, when you sit down with this and you're like, I need to make observations. How in the world do I do that? Um, what I wanted to do is I just wanted to show you how I might, uh, we'll see if technology works here, um, how I would at least start to approach this text, all right? And so I sit down and, whoopsies. If you just start writing, it'll go into the Really? Yep. Wow. Look at that. Look at that, huh? Are we good? Yep. Okay, cool. So I'm sitting now this text making observations. I'm not trying to for I'm not trying to mainly figure out what it means. I'm not trying to mainly figure out what I need to do. I'm trying to just mainly see, okay, what is it saying? And so I'm just gonna start going through it and I'll go, okay, consider it. Okay, what is it? If I'm, if I'm to consider it great joy, I need to know what it is, okay? Whatever I'm considering, I need to consider that great joy. So I'm just, it's not just joy, it's great joy. My brothers and sisters, so this isn't like, there's more sophisticated ways to do this, but I'm just wanting to talk out loud what I'm thinking here. So brothers and sisters, this goes to uh, our our, our archaeological thing, like, like who is this written to? All right, brothers and sisters, okay, so, um, but they're also Jews. So, okay, Jewish believers, because why would you call them a brother or sister um, if, if they're not a believer here? It's also a repeated There's, there's some reasons why you might, but, yeah, it's repeated throughout. Yeah. Um, whenever, okay, whenever you, brothers and sisters, experience... Various trials, experience various trials. It seems as though that is possibly the it. Consider various trials great joy whenever you experience various trials. Why? Well, it's answered because that's huge. Because there's a purpose. We kind of talked through this uh, 
a couple weeks ago. I think this was one of the passages uh, that we talked on Sunday morning. It's like there is a purpose here. Why can I consider trials great joy? It's because you know, because you know, and I, I might just write, not feel. You don't feel it. You know. Like this, is, this isn't based in my feeling. This is based in my knowledge. You know that the testing of your faith, so various trials bring a test to my faith, it produces endurance. It's producing something. I might just write, it's, wow, my handwriting, doing something. And so this is my work, this, this might be where I go, okay, if it produces something, I need to know what that thing is. So I might just write even, like right over here, like define. Like I want to know more about that word endurance. Like what does that mean? What's the picture there? Like what, what, what would that have meant to the original audience here? So I'll just write little notes to myself. Like I need to go back to that. I need to, I need to use some of my tools to define that. So it produces endurance. And let endurance, so same word, have its full effect. So that, here's another so that. Uh, sometimes I write when I see so that statements, um, I write in order that. In order that you may be mature and complete. Mature, complete. Lacking nothing, which seems to be a description so what what does endurance look like when it's had its full effect? It looks like someone who's mature, complete, and lacking nothing, and I might just put right here define, 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 or even just draw out, like figure out, like what does this mean? What does lacking nothing look like? What does being mature look like? What does being whole look like? Because that's the effect that endurance is gonna have in our lives. And so this is literally, as I'm just walking, I'm just making observation, I'm trying to see how do these words connect? What are words that I don't understand that I need to define? Uh, who is talking here? So my, I mean, this is where we get James, Brothers and sisters, Jew, oh boy, Jewish believers. Like, this is where you're, you're doing a lot of this. We're like just seeing what it says before moving on to figuring out what it means. And so what you're going to do this week is you're going to do something similar, and it's going to look a little bit different. Like, this is just kind of the way that, I, that I'll walk through a text. But you're going to kind of do the same thing. Uh, with the whole chapter of, of James 1. And so just making observations, restraining yourself as much as possible uh, from jumping to meaning and application, but just see what it says. And feel like sometimes observations can be like, I've, I observe that I don't know what that means. Like, <laughs> right? Like, like I've made that observation. That You'll see a lot of question marks in a lot of places. And sometimes those question marks will get answered later on in the text, kind of like that it. It's like, oh, I think the it is the trials here. Okay, so now that question mark has been addressed. But to, to feel the freedom to, to not know everything, <laughs> like, to not, like we're not geniuses here. So what we need to do is we need to approach the text, see what it says. What does it say? And then we'll get into what does it mean and how should this change, how I think, how I feel, how I live. Yeah. Okay, ask a question. Do it. Great. So how does this work when like I'm reading through the Bible like two years for breath and I'm reading like four to five chapters a day? Like mm -hmm. I'm about to say, I can't do this, but I think if I did this, I'd be there for three hours. You would, yeah. So uh, so two things on that. One, this works really well with an epistle. This doesn't work so well with a narrative. Mm -hmm. And so 
because uh, narratives, you got to zoom further out. And so this is where it's like, with epistles, you can get in, you can kind of zoom a little bit more into words and stuff like that. With narratives, you're having to zoom out a bit more. If you're taking large chunks of scripture, regardless of where it's at, um, whether it's a narrative or even if it's just an, epi- an epistle, you're reading for breadth there. Um, one thing you can do while you're going through that, uh, instead of instead of doing this, because it would take three hours, uh, if you see something that at least piques your interest, of, that's like, as I'm reading for breath, I would still like to know more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would always advise read, read for breadth and depth uh, simultaneously. Um, while you read for breath, put a little question mark next to some things. It's like, I'd actually like to dive deeper into that because I don't quite know what that means. That's what I would grab. It's like, I don't know what that means. I want to I take a day where I stop studying for breath and I take maybe an hour and I, I try to go for depth with that. And maybe, maybe you need more than an hour. It's like, but I only have an hour. It's like, okay, then next week, use your depth hour for that same thing until you, figure, until you get it, you know? Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say incorporate them. That way, that's probably what I would do if I'm in your spot, yeah. That's a great question. And observation is going to look different for everybody. Yeah. So when we come back next week and you look at, you know, person next to you at your table and you're like, wow, that does not look anything like what I got. That's okay that's because fine. you're just making observations. So if you if you look at my Bible compared to Jake's Bible, it looks very different <laughs> because we're different people and we visualize things different. Our arrows, like Everything is different. That's okay because you're just making observations at this point. So don't come back next week and be like, I did it all wrong. It's just different ways of yeah. of marking up your text. A lot of this is organizing thoughts. Um, and this is part of why, like, if you look at my Bible compared to Sarah's, mine doesn't actually have a whole lot of marks in it because that's small text and no spaces, you know. So I'm like, I actually prefer to print it off, kind of like what you have in your binder, um, and do my work that way and find a way to keep that for study. Um, so my, the Bible I read in the morning is a, um, it's an ESV reader's Bible. Like, there's no verses or chapters in it. It's just all, it, it's like reading a letter, you know, because that's what most of the, a lot of the Bible is anyway. Um, and I, I read for breadth mostly, at least in the morning, uh, and then I allocate my study to a different time of the day later on in the week, so... Any other questions? Yeah, when you said you noted things like defined, so you're going to look at it later. Mm-hmm. Um, if I understood what you're saying right, is this time is kind of maybe a step above breath, but you're not doing the digging. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yep. So then later when you're going to dig deeper, you come mm-hmm. back with mm-hmm. a dictionary or something. Exactly. Yeah, Th- this is like... If I'm wanting to build a shed in my backyard, this is me just like plotting out the square. And then when I get into the interpretive part, that's where I'm starting to dig down deeper, right? It's like, okay, here's the parameters, and now I really want to go into that and figure out what that word means. And that's where I would use like a dictionary um, or a concordance, something like that. Yeah. Jim? I just wanted to mention that uh, you're never going to get to the bottom of it, no matter what. Yeah. About uh, 400 pages. If you want to, if you like Jen Cookins, you want to go deep for Howard Hendricks. Mm-hmm. He's got the same principles we've been talking about. Yep. He said they he gave an assignment to uh, over the years to to implement these these techniques. And he, he in Acts 1:8, which I better read it because it says, uh, "But the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power. Then you will tell everyone about me that Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and everywhere in the world." In other words, it was a great commission. He said to this. Of course, he wrote the book years ago, but he said up until that point, they'd come up with over 600 observations from that one verse. Mm-hmm. You're never going to... God's Word is done. Yeah. You, you, go, you can study a verse, John 3, 16, whatever, and come up with something new every time you look at it. Yeah. You just meditate on it. Yeah. Start examining it, whatever. Yeah. Or other scriptures or whatever. But, I mean, 600 observations from verse 8. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it never loses its flavor, for sure. And that's sure. probably why you mentioned that you can come up with different observations from somebody else mm-hmm. yep. because somebody else sees something. You know, 
And this is the great, so like next week when you come back and you've made some of your observations from your text, like this is part of where studying the Bible in community is so awesome is because you're gonna be able to come back to your table and you're gonna learn from each other's observations and you're gonna see things that, it's like, wow, you saw, I didn't even see that. It's like, great, that's, that's why we do this together. That's why this isn't just such an individualized approach to Bible study. It's great to have your quiet time in the morning, but uh, there's so much benefit to be had as we open the scriptures together and study it together, too. So. Yeah, yeah. So I hope this was helpful. Um, like I said, next week, read chapter six um, and read James one and make observations in your thing. Yeah. Do you encourage people to do this type of thing on their own before they open like uh, commentary or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. What, so. What kind of uh, advice would you give to somebody that's just starting this type of thing? Yeah. So for the for like the archaeological stuff. I'll, I'll utilize different tools, stuff like that. I mean, I'll read the text and see, like, okay, does the author identify himself? Does he identify his audience? Like, is there anything in particular that's said about the situation? Um, that's helpful. And then I'll, then I'll quick utilize some commentaries or something like that. Uh, after that, I'll put them away, and I'll just start writing my notes, making my observations, and I'll really, I'll force myself to wrestle with it a lot because there'll be a lot of times when I get into a text where I'm like, I don't know what that means or what's, what's the main idea here? Like, what, what is happening? I'll wrestle with that for a while um, and then I'll open a commentary. I don't wait till the very, very end to open a commentary because it's like, I need to make sure I get my interpretation right. And that's where uh, multiple voices, uh, like commentators, are going to help me understand the meaning. You know, But I'll for sure do all of my observation work kind of in a vacuum, you know, or... I think your key word there was wrestle with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'll wrestle with it. I'll make observations. I'll try to just find out, like, what is it saying? And then when I get into what does it mean, I'll wrestle with that for a while, and then I'll start pulling in some other voices to try to help me with meaning. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's kind of an, iter an iterative process there, so... All right. time. Thank you guys so much. This this is like just scratching the surface. Like Jim said, it it hopefully this is just wetting your appetite. Um, and we're in, by no means experts. So I think Jim and Mark are the experts here. So <laughs> ask Jim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>